You're listening to DraftKings Network. Welcome to Golik and Smitty. I'm Mike Golik. I'm Jessica Smetana. Welcome to another edition of Golik and Smetty. I'm Jessica Smetana. Mike Golik is still out on assignment. He's on the West Coast calling football games, living his best life. So he's not here today. And instead, we have a guest on, a very special guest, I should say, one of my uh, nearest and dearest friends. But he's also a college football reporter for ESPN. He's the host of Countdown to Game Day, which is on every Saturday morning before college game day. Uh, he's a sideline reporter for ESPN. He's on Around the Horn like twice a week. Harry Lyles Jr., what else do you do? I feel like you're always on my TV screen. Uh, you know, I play some Call of Duty and Fortnite here and there, but you know, <laughs> other than that, you know, I'm are working. You still, are, <laughs> are you still able to play Call of Duty and Fortnite during the college football season? Because when not would really, you even no. have time for that? Yeah, no, not not if I'm doing the job right, which I am. So no, I, I have not played uh, in a while. This is this is the video game off season for me. So okay, do your friends miss you? Do they like text you like, hey, when's when are you going to be back? Yeah, well, it's always like, hey, can anybody play? And it's like, yeah, I'm in, uh, you know, Greenville, North Carolina, or, you know, this <laughs> week it'll be Huntington, West Virginia. So, you know. All right. Well, we're not going to talk about uh, Call of Duty or Fortnite today because I'm only Good. vaguely familiar with both concepts, but we are going to talk about college football, obviously. But first, I there's a lot of things that I wanted to talk to you about, Harry, because like we, we chat like often like we text mm -hmm. a lot like we're we're friends we hang out whenever we can like i i just saw you at the notre dame ohio state game because you were there for game yep. day a few weeks ago but one thing that we have not talked enough about is the fact that a pop culture thing happened this year that i feel like you are the only person that is qualified you and i maybe are the only people yeah. qualified to talk about which is that and if mike golick senior is listening to this he's not going to have a clue what the hell i'm talking about but this is why i had you on Five years ago, maybe six years ago, we saw yeah. a musical together on Broadway, the SpongeBob musical. Yes. They made SpongeBob into a musical. Do you remember seeing the SpongeBob musical, Harry? I do, and it was great. It was great. And the yeah. lead SpongeBob actor was phenomenal, in my opinion. Yes. Like, I was, 100%. you agree, impressive, great dancer, great singer, like, tremendous, tremendous lead role as SpongeBob. Yeah, nominated for Tonys. This was a big this was a big deal, folks. Earlier yeah. this year, that guy was in the news because he's in a movie with Ariana Grande that is being filmed right now and allegedly they are now dating. And this yep. is like Ariana Grande has dated some like very famous dudes and this guy is like most people if you haven't seen the SpongeBob musical don't know who he is. This was like I immediately had to text you. Because yeah. what the hell? The SpongeBob SpongeBob is now dating Ariana Grande. And mind you, she was in a relationship. I think she was either married or engaged. And he was married and had a child with his wife. And now they are together. Yes, which all of that was extremely surprising to me for a number of reasons. I think if I'm being quite honest, like the the most glaring one is just the fact that, and this is just me judging a book by its cover, like he just doesn't seem like the guy that would like leave his wife and then also pull Ariana Grande. Like, like he, period. It's, it's kind of just like that simple for me. He's like a, he is a theater kid, right? I think like yeah. that's fair, a fair thing to say. And that's not, I'm not saying that as a, as like a derogatory descriptor, but right. like he is to me, the embodiment of SpongeBob on stage. 
he really is like they could not have cast him better like that guy like if spongebob <laughs> was a human being it's it's this what is i don't even what's his name again ethan slater he's he's like I, slater, I mean yes i think if you're like a theater person which i'm not really i love musicals but i'm not like in the theater mm. world you know this guy like he's been around he you know i don't think he performed at the tonys the year that they were nominated but i think squidward might have performed again like this is something harry that like i feel like only you and i are qualified to talk about and it was like the shock of my life and apparently they are still together as of today so that's i mean it's it's still i remember i think i was in miami when you found that out and yes, you had to I clarify right. it for me like two or three times because i was like wait are we talking about the same person Yes. Like it was, it was that jaw dropping. SpongeBob and Ariana Grande are together, and that's how I wanted to start the show. So, you know, just an for, absolutely incredible time to be alive. Yeah, I, I hope they're happy together. Um, yeah. you are a college football reporter, yes, but you're also a baseball Nostradamus because you're the only person, and yeah. and you live in Atlanta. You grew up in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. You're a Braves fan. You're unfortunately a Falcons fan. You're the yeah. only person who was not super high on the Braves going into the postseason. So tell me what the hell happened. And we will we will dedicate the next 10 man. Like we'll give them, we'll give baseball five minutes on this. We don't yeah. normally give baseball much time on the show, but we'll give baseball five minutes. No. Tell us what happened to the Braves and maybe give us a prediction on what else is going to happen in this postseason. Yeah, I mean, we don't need long, um, you know, <laughs> things look, it, it's it's like twofold. OK, like one things were going too well. Right. And that's not even just like a Braves thing. That's just generally an Atlanta sports thing, yeah. which I think a lot of people felt like after Atlanta United won a title, I think that was 2018. And then the Braves got theirs a couple of years ago. They were like, that oh, was the year like, we saw SpongeBob know, also. It, it was. It was. There's like, oh, the Olympic curse is over. Right. Because a lot of people think like Atlanta's <laughs> been cursed ever since we hosted the Olympics, whatever. But things were going too well. And the narrative with the Braves all season was, oh, well, if they just add one more arm. They should be good because growing up, like the Braves always won games 1-0, 2-1, like 3-2, 3-1, whatever. Didn't really score a lot of runs. And then here they are this year scoring basically a touchdown a game. And it's like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. They're one of the best teams that has ever played baseball. Surely nothing could go wrong. And it's like, no, that is the exact reason why everything will go wrong. Uh, I remember, I think it was January. No, I guess it couldn't have been January because the season hadn't started, but uh, was it April the last time I was in Miami and I was telling Lee or no, it like, was June. It was I feel June. Like it was okay. I think it was the 4th of July. Something like that. Yeah. You know what? I think it was the 4th of July okay. and I was telling Lee, dude, I understand your pain as a Mets fan and things are going terrible for you right now. Let me tell you what is worse. Having sky high expectations only for them to come <laughs> crashing down. I said, the only blank that we need to fill in here is who are the Braves going to lose to in the NLDS. And as soon as I saw the Phillies beat the Marlins, there it is. I didn't even watch a game of that series because I knew really? it was I didn't. Ooh. I didn't watch a game. Yeah. yeah. I think I saw me. like the Austin Riley home running game two and that was it. Okay. Well, first of all, explain to me the Olympic curse. I'm, I don't think I'm familiar with that. Is that where like the source of all this Atlanta sports angst comes from? Like why would there be a curse? Yeah, there's, there's a faction of Atlanta sports fans that believe because the Braves won the World Series in 1995, right? That once we hosted the Olympics in 1996, like nothing great has happened since then, which like my counter argument is always like, all right, well, what are all of the great things short of the World Series 95 that happened before then that made you think that we weren't <laughs> first? 
That's a good point. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, that, I mean, that's, that's all I'm saying. Like, I'm not saying the curse isn't real, but, but there's also, not like, like a, there's not like a thing that started the curse. Cause like with the Cubs curse, it's that there was a guy who wasn't allowed to bring his goat into the game. And then there was like the curse of the Billy goat. So there was like a thing that happened that everyone's like, Oh, they're never going to win a world series ever again. There wasn't yeah, anything like that. Just... It was just like, you guys are all like traumatized by being not winners so then you won something and you're like we're never gonna win anything again that's it yeah basically and also like it seems weird for me that the thing is like oh my gosh we were one of the i mean i guess depending on who you ask like lucky cities to host the olympics right like it it still feels weird to me that this place like actually hosted an olympics um but somehow a lot of people feel like that is the jumping off point for many many years of unlucky Hmm. sports things which like hey like just look in the past Right. Like even the Atlanta Falcons, like first 1000 yard rusher did not get a thousand yards because on his final carry of the season, he lost five and he finished (laughs) with 995. Like this is not new. You know what I mean? So I just to me, I I see it, but I also don't feel like it's a very strong uh, argument to be made with the Olympic curse. But who am I? Yeah. Okay. interesting. So is the curse, the curse is not broken. Like there's they still think people still think there's a curse. Depends on who you ask. I, I I feel like a lot of people thought it ended with Atlanta United, and then a lot of people felt like it ended with the Braves two years ago. I and feel like it should end are... with the Braves two years ago. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, it, to me, I just generally, again, that's kind of why it's like, well, was there really ever a curse, or were yeah. we just like, you know, another major American sports city that just doesn't win a lot? You know what a major, major American sports city doesn't win a lot lately? Chicago and they don't have a yeah. curse. They just have a lot of incompetent. Uh, yeah. I was going to say, they don't even lose well. <laughs> you can like lose well. Like they lose like poorly, you know? Yeah. I shouldn't complain. When I was like a, a in high school, the Chicago sports had like a, a World Series and three Stanley Cup titles. And then the Sky won the WBA title like two years ago. So I don't know. That's I think every sports, my, my point is I think every sports town thinks that they are cursed. And in fact, like, unless you're Boston, like you probably just are a normal sports town. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. Which is annoying. So who's going to win the World Series then? Because the Phillies are up one, one game, I think, to the D-backs right now. And yep. the Rangers are up two games to the Astros. I have absolutely no dog in this fight other than, no offense, I thought that what was going on with the Phillies and Braves series was kind of fun. I watched a couple games. There were a lot of runs. It was very exciting. Lots of home runs. That's yeah. as as a not really a baseball fan anymore. That's all I. That's all that entertains me at this point. I'm like, ooh, look at that moonshot. So yeah. who's going to win the World Series? Know, my my policy, uh, you know, with people is my same policy that I have with my sports teams. You can't really be disappointed if you like have realistic expectations. You know what I mean? So like like I said, I didn't really watch the series because I was like, I know what time it is. So, you know, I, I think the Phillies are going to beat the Rangers in the World Series. Okay. And that and that's well, what it's going to be. I don't know how many happens, games. Let's call it six. We'll say six games. If that happens, I am taking you to Vegas with me for the Super Bowl. We're putting in some future bets on next season because Make you are the only person who's like the Braves, historically good offense. Trust me. Just hit the fan. And yeah. Fan. Yeah. Bats go cold. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about more sports fans with unrealistic expectations, which is just in general a college football fandom. So we'll talk about that next. Okay, Harry, I mentioned that you are on the road doing sideline and college game day. 
every single weekend. Are you getting to the point in the season, it's like week seven now, where you're like, mm -hmm. oh my God, I have been traveling a lot. Yes, but I also, so I think, so this is my third year doing this. I'm used to it now. So like, I, I've gotten pretty good at just like maintaining a good and healthy schedule, like both on the road and at home to where like, I'm, I've got my hydration down to like a science. Like I, <laughs> I drink, I'm not even kidding. Like I drink two okay, bottles. Okay, wait, what, of, is the, what is the hydration plan for so, traveling so it's, and it's, doing t television shows? So it, it's, it's most important during the stretch of like Wednesday to Saturday morning because that's where like I'm most active. And this matters less uh, the, like the further into the season that we go because it's cooler mm -hmm. outside. So oh, okay. imagine this. So like uh, the first game I did this season was here in Atlanta at Center Park Stadium. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it was 95 degrees at kickoff. In the Levitarcho okay. Studios, you get a fine for coughing if you're oh, doing a oh, show oh. in this vicinity. Honored. Um, <laughs> so, so it was 95 degrees at kickoff. Okay. When you're on the sideline, if you're doing a good job, you're the eyes and ears on the field that like even the cameras are going to pick up, right? You're seeing things that they're not going to get. You're hearing things. So you're walking around that thing all the time almost. Um, and so, you know, when it's 95 degrees outside and even if you're just walking and I'm in like a suit and all that type of stuff like that, like I take my jacket off during the game because I'm not trying to die. Um, but you lose hydration quickly. So before every game, I have two bottles of water. It's probably like I would say an hour before kick. Um, I'll also have like a Celsius just for like an, an energy boost. Um, and then at halftime, depending on what is in my cooler on the field, I'll have like a bottle of water and then I'll chug two Gatorades. Um, Jeez. and then, at, and then at the end of the game, we have a post game meal, I'll chug a bottle of water and then I'll take two bottles of water with me to the hotel and have those before I go to sleep. <laughs> and then the morning that I wake up Friday, what? because Friday is my travel day for Saturday, I chug a bottle of water in the morning, which like I kind of do that anyways. Like you should if you're listening to this, you should drink a glass of water when you wake up. It is very good for you before you even eat anything. Seriously, try it. Um, so I do that. And then Saturday morning, same deal. Two bottles of water. Well, bottle of water when I wake up and then two bottles of water before the show and a Celsius before the show. And then I'm what? good to go. And then after that. This is, this is crazy. Your show for, for people who don't watch the show, you should watch it. it. It gets me pumped up every single Saturday. It starts at 8.30 Eastern time and you're doing the show that time every week. So if you're in the central time zone, you're starting at 7.30. If you're on the West Coast, like it's five in the morning and you're drinking sometimes three water bottles before five o'clock in the morning. Well, I mean, I, I so for example, this past Saturday at Washington, I woke up at 2.20. Um, so like oh, I have a bottle God. of water when I wake up. Um, and then I'm doing my stuff. So like I got to campus, I would say probably by like 345. It's so and early. probably had my first bottle of water at 4 a.m. or second bottle of water, I guess, at 4 a.m. Had another one and then had a Celsius before we went out there and did the show. <laughs> okay. We but need you to know, talk like about, I exercise a lot. We need to talk though, about the Celsius. Like, I know you, but like the way you're describing this is that it's a very physical experience for you because you are so like you moving Monday and Tuesday you're usually home right and then you fly out either like Tuesday night or Wednesday do your yes. Thursday night game fly to yep. game day on Friday do the yep. Saturday morning show and then you fly out either like Saturday night or, or Sunday back to Atlanta right yep. so like you're essentially like this, you're 
five days of the week, you are just waking up, chugging water and Celsius. And <laughs> well, I mean, not it's Celsius just, all the time. South, okay. I, don't I know better than thing. that. I don't get the deal with Celsius. I know it's like a, it's an energy drink, but it's carbonated. Like what? What's yeah. how is it different than drinking a Red Bull? I do not understand it. Why not have a coffee? Um, I don't crash uh, the way I would if I were drinking a Red Bull. Like Red Bull, I, I first off, and I think Red Bull tastes like disgusting. It is disgusting. Yeah, um, like, but like, no, cool. Celsius, I just feel like alert. Like when I'm out there on the sideline, like I'm trying to click on all cylinders. Like I want to, you know, I got to be quick on my toes, aware, all that type of stuff like that. So for me though, like I realized in flying, you you lose hydration quicker on an airplane. And then sometimes depending on where we're at, I have connecting flights. So I'm on two different flights. Like, and to me, just like the whole idea of going to the airport, all that, that's exhausting. Like that it wears me out. Yeah. So like, you know, doing all that movement, <laughs> like I know when I feel bad, like when I have not had enough water, like I don't think most people like genuinely hydrate enough during a day. I just don't like people like, are like, Oh, I'm going to drink like six, diet cokes in a day like buddy go see a doctor and then come back and tell me if that's good for you like don't I feel do like that. that's a college football coach diet is just six diet cokes yeah. or like six celsius is a day i am just picturing you in the delta lounge at the atlanta airport like underneath the faucet just chugging water out of their giant water jug like i asked if you were sick of traveling and you were like no because i drink 15 bottles of water a day and that was just not an answer i was expecting yeah no I, it's it's literally all about like are you eating good and i'm not talking about like a lot i'm talking about like good healthy food which i i would say i do most of the time um and are you hydrating and if you're doing those two things like that that's really like half the battle and then like I get my other, I would say 40% of my energy comes from just like, I still have like a boyish love for this, you know, like <laughs> as, as, as tired as I was, like my travel schedule this past weekend was terrible. Like I got you... 45 minutes of sleep, oh I would say uh, Thursday to Friday night. And then when you I traveled Memphis Thursday night, which no, that was a Friday Greenville. night game. You were in Greenville yeah. and then you had to yeah. go to Seattle. For the Washington-Oregon so game day. Yes. Yeah, so after my game Thursday, I had to go back to the hotel, pack, drive an hour and a half to Raleigh. I got to Raleigh at 1.45. And then I remember looking, still being awake, looking at my clock in the hotel. And it was 3.15. And I woke up at 4 to get on my flight from Raleigh to Seattle. And so for as exhausted as I was this weekend, all is good when I walk into that stadium and I get to watch some football or when we're getting ready to do the show and everybody's like excited um, at 5 a.m. Yeah, I feed off the energy and I'm good to go. Who has had the best energy from the game day locations you've been to? Because this year you've already been to two of, I, I mean, a lot of really good games. Washington, Oregon is being billed as like the game of the year. There's a lot of good football left. So like I want to wait and see if anything can top that including like potential rematch in the conference championship. Who knows? But you were also at the Notre Dame, Ohio state game. Um, mm -hmm. Last year, you said you, you enjoyed the Montana game that you went to. So can you do like a definitive top five of the, the best game day atmospheres or the best game day locations? Dang, that's tough. You know, it's funny. I was actually saying this past Saturday at Washington, 
and I don't think I'm being a prisoner in the moment with this. I think that might've been the best crowd that we've had in the three years that I've done this. I really? genuinely do feel like that. Like not only were there a lot of people, cause there's some places you go and there's a lot of people and they're not hype. Like those people were hype. And so I, I won't call out the places where there was a lot of people and they weren't hype. I know uh, because so, college football fans will and like, they, they will, yeah, they won't let me live they'll it down. Touch like, this, not, they'll like post it yeah. on like a message board and you will never see yeah. happiness ever again. <laughs> Yeah, which like not my problem, y'all's. Uh, but you know, um, App State's got to be in there. Like they that that one was really cool last year. Was that year. for the Troy App State game? Yes. Okay. Yes, and that hail mary to to win. Yeah. It. Um. So that one was really cool. Um. Maybe put man, that number who else five. Is really hype? Washington number one. We have to fill in the middle of the top five list. What? Where do you rank Let's, Notre Dame? Since this is a Notre Dame Homer podcast. Notre Dame, Notre Dame's. I, you know, what? I would put Notre Dame in there. I, I would put Notre Are Dame. Are you in saying top five. that like, to appease me? No, because honestly, it would be better content if I pissed you off. Uh, so, <laughs> you don't want to see that. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm, I'm truthfully Notre Dame. I think is up there. Um, okay. I would also say I think Montana State has to be up there too. That one, that one was really good, and especially for how cold it was. Like, I would not have blamed anybody if they just didn't show up. Like, I remember five minutes into our show, like, I'm looking over at our producer, Chris Colonna, and I'm like, I can't feel my fingertips. Oh, my God. Uh, That's how I, I feel like, every day in the on. studio here. They ice me out. They put they set the AC at 65. Right now, my toes, I can barely curl my toes. They are so cold, Harry. So I feel your pain. Sometimes my nose runs when I'm at work. It is a hostile yeah, work tough. environment. Um, so, yeah, I, I know up. what it I know what it feels like to be at Montana State when it's negative 20 degrees out with the wind chill. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're similar, you know, 65 <laughs> and negative two, you know. So two more, let's say, um, gosh, it's hard to say because, you know, we've had some like duplicates. Alabama was pretty cool. You went there for the Texas game this year. For the Texas game. Um, you went to Texas gosh. also, or you went to the Cotton Bowl for the Red River rivalry. That is Yes, that is. Can, can we? I'm gonna say so. I don't think this is a very hot take. That is the best okay. neutral site game in North American sports. Super. Bowl I don't included. think that's a hot take because a lot of neutral site games are at like NFL stadiums where it's very hard to get yeah. like the college football feeling. Like I've been to a bunch of those games, like the one that used to be at the old um, before his Mercedes Benz uh, Stadium, the George Dome. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been to like AT&T stadium for college football. I've been to soldier field for college football. Like it just, you don't get the college foot football feeling automatically just by being in a bit yeah. bigger stadium. So I, I don't think that's a hot take. So you were there two weeks ago. Did you get to try any, we talked to Lucy last week about this, but did you get to try any of the fried butter or the fried, uh, corn dogs or whatever they had there? I didn't really. I had some uh Because you're an athlete, because... Harry. You are not messing with your nutrition plan while you're on the road. Is that is It's that just why? I like I'm telling you like it <laughs> for as much as I travel, the diet and and just like again, the hydration it, it makes a difference. I'm all just right, saying. All right. But no, I I did have some like really good shrimp. Fried shrimp? So, yes. So Okay. So here's the I was thing. Like, if you just have regular of... shrimp, I don't care. A lot of people don't know this about Harry Douglas, and, and he, he would find it funny that I'm sharing this information. I always joke that he is going to eat the ocean dry. That man <laughs> loves shrimp. So, like, after our show, he's like, hey, man, I'm hungry. Like, we need to go get something to eat. And so, like, we're walking around, and we pull up to Shrimp Dock at the Texas State Fair. And so, like, at the Texas State Fair, apparently 
I don't know if it's just with them, but like you have to pay with like the little fair coupons. And yes, he's like, the tickets. Lucy told we us don't got those this. and we're not trying okay. to go get them and all that type of stuff like that. So like, you know, we like took a picture with them and like posted on Instagram and stuff like that. And so they gave us shrimps. But like <laughs> I'm sitting there and I'm like, HD, I'm Wait. like, you really want to eat shrimp at like seven o'clock in the morning? You paid them in like Instagram clout? Yeah. And it worked? Oh, yeah. They loved it. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's absurd. I mean, I should try it, was, it was it was it was great shrimp. I mean, it was, it was just me... a, a good way to get through the coupons. <laughs> I love shrimp. I like I could probably eat a thousand shrimp as well. But that reminded me of did you see the video that went viral of the woman in Atlanta who went to yes. the seafood restaurant and had 48 oysters, 48 oysters and her date like left before the bill came because he was so like weirded out by her eating 48 oysters. Have you? been to that restaurant a because you're in atlanta harry douglas is in atlanta and b yeah. have you ever have you ever eaten 48 oysters <laughs> raw oysters no, i should say <laughs> i have not but i also was sitting here thinking like man i should just like lie and be like hey i'm the guy that left the date <laughs> <laughs> that would be um, hilarious but I've, I've thought about going to check it out like you see people on tiktok being like hey let's see if i could go eat 48 oysters maybe i should i should do that for for like science you know i feel like harry does harry douglas like oysters i feel like he could do it i'm sure us, he does science. yeah <laughs> yeah I, I, I feel like he'd be down you know what he and i should go do it we should go eat like let's set a new record like go eat 50 a piece or something like that, that would be a good bit if you guys did that on tiktok yeah. i'm with it you guys do a lot of like harry versus harry competitions on countdown to mm. game day i think i think an oyster off would be a nice addition to that yeah i'd be down we have talked all about um, College Game Day and uh, just just what an absolute maniac you are when it comes to hydration. But we have not yet done the thing that all college football shows and fans do, which is argue about everything yes. that happens in college football. Everything. So let's let's start that now. You went to the Oregon Washington game. I said this weekend that I thought maybe Dan Lanning has set analytics back 20 years by not converting any of his fourth downs. I feel like everyone kind of like is like, all right, like he had the right idea. Let's not give him too much crap for it. I know some people are still, Oregon fans might be a little still mad. They didn't kick a yeah. field goal before halftime. Where do you stand among all of this and uh, the the fallout of them losing the game by three points? It's, it's you know, it's a big weekend for the traditionalists, isn't it? I mean, um, <laughs> because like, isn't this like the thing that we do, whether it's with like analytics or not, it's it's one of those things where if it goes your way, you're a genius. And if not, you're the biggest idiot in coaching, you know? We play the result. Yeah. I still think he's a great coach. Like, I I, I think he's, you know, well on his way. And, you know, if, if he decides to stick at Oregon for a long time, like, I, I think that they're going to have a ton of success. Like, because, I mean, obviously, they're offensively one of the best teams in the country. But, like, he's also the man that was leading the Georgia defense of 2021. That was the best of all time, probably. So, um, you know, I... It's just it's one of those things that happens. And, you know, it's funny. I was talking to a former coach this past week um, and we were actually talking about the Mario Cristobal thing, which is much worse. Um, but he was like, dude, there's nothing worse than when you're the guy that ends up in one of those situations, because like the emotional roller coaster that is coaching like the highs are are higher than anybody could ever possibly imagine. And then if you do something as messed up as Mario Cristobal did, which like, you know, Mario was talking about, um, you know, I don't even know what to say. What do you say to your players? It's like, dude, like, even if you had something to say, they don't want to hear that. 
Yeah. Right. There's like, because really... it, it was just that bad. There's nothing you can yeah. say, you know, it, I think it's a moment that, you know, it, it feels probably worse than what it actually is right now, which, I mean, you say that and it's like, all right, well, if Oregon wins that game, they're probably considered top five, but um, I think he had the right idea. That's kind of like, you know, what matters. I think it's kind of easy to latch on to that after the fact and be like, oh, well, you left all the points on the board that would have won you the game. So they were still in a position to win it at the end or tie it at the end, I guess. It just didn't shake their way. But I, it's hard to argue that, hey, like maybe you should have just kicked the those field goals. But again, sound. yeah. Yeah, it's easy to say that after the fact. So, I mean, I see both sides of it. Yeah, we're, we're I think we're definitely playing the, res the results a little bit because – in the moment, I think, and I think he even admitted the the one before halftime was the one he kind of wished he had back because if you're playing like, yeah, like the Oregon was going to get the ball back after the half, and he was trying to do like the thing that you know a lot of college football coaches hammer, which is the middle eight. Like how many, how can you swing the game by scoring the being the most efficient, scoring the most points in that middle eight minutes of the game, like the four minutes before half and the four minutes after half. And instead of, you know, a 14 point swing or even a 10 point swing, they ended up just getting seven out of it. And when you lose the game by three points, like that's the one people are going to be mad at. But I think it's also like, we see this in the NFL so much too, with like Brandon Staley and other NFL head coaches that are trying to be aggressive all the time. And Golik and I have talked about it. It's like, it's not so much like the aggression it's like the play calling that i think probably mm. merits criticism like if you're going to be the, the guy that is aggressive on fourth down all the time like have some have some idea of like what yeah. is going to get you that extra yard of those two yards and not do what oregon did which was call i thought like some kind of inexplicable plays um on offense which did not work out. So yeah, you play the result, but also you play like the, I think maybe make it a little bit easier on your offense to get that extra yard. And yeah. And I, I do think it's, I do think it's easier, especially after the fact. And if you didn't watch the game, cause I do think some people are probably getting on him that did not watch the game. Reese Davis and I were talking about this at the airport and I was like, Hey, like, don't you feel like, especially during that first half, because like Oregon kind of really came out in the third quarter and, and played really, really well and got momentum back. But I was like, when they were down 29-18, it felt like they were down three or four scores. And he was like, yeah, it definitely felt that way. So I think with that sort of context, like you sort of get why he For sure. did sort of take yeah. that shot. Like it, it's not like, you know, statistically – they were neck and neck the whole game in terms of yards, but when they were down, it felt like they were down a lot. And part of that has to do with atmosphere. Part of that has to do with game flow, all that type of stuff like that. So I think that added context also matters in terms of the, that decision-making. So in the rest of their season, Oregon now has one loss. So they're like already going to be like the pressure is on. They probably can't lose another game. Um, obviously depending how, the rest of the field does, but they've got Washington state, Utah, Cal, USC, Arizona state, Oregon state. A couple of those are going to be really, really tough. Uh, Washington, on the other hand, they're playing USC down the stretch as well. They've got Washington state, their rival in the apple cup, which is the last weekend of the year. They've got Oregon state. They've got Utah. Like both of these teams have more or less a gauntlet coming up. We talk every year about how the PAC 12 always kind of like cannibalizes itself out of the college football playoff because you end up with multiple one or two lost teams that don't make it in the final four. So do you expect one of these teams to make it, it make it to the playoff? And which one do you think is the most likely to be able to do that? Or is it like Oregon State or USC? Is it a, is it a different team entirely? To me, it's Washington. This was like this past week was their test. Like Oregon was a team to me on paper 
that if you could get past them, if you look at the rest of their schedule, I, does Washington have Utah on their schedule? Uh, yes, I believe so. So to me, uh, that, no, that's going to be... No, actually, they don't have Utah. They don't? Okay, no. so like Oregon was the one. Um, because offensively, oh, like wait, those I'm sorry. two they teams... Do. <laughs> they do? They do? Okay, so Utah is going to be tough. I can't read! <laughs> U- Utah could be tough, especially if Cam Rising's back and healthy and like looking like himself. Which he might um, not be. It doesn't seem and he like might he's not be. play, yeah. No, because we've been... I don't know. We, you know, we were wondering if he was going to play in week one, right? And it's just been like, we've been pushing this... You know, and he he went the on the road. radio last year and was like, I or last week I should say, because there has been a lot of pressure for him to play, uh, because Utah's offense has not been able to move the ball very well. Um, and he said, It's not just an ACL, like I busted multiple ligaments and I'm I'm like doing really well in rehab, but like as soon as I'm ready, I'm gonna play. Kind of I think basically just telling the fans like I'm not like not playing because I don't want to. Like this was a humongous injury that I had last year. So like I'll play when I'm ready. Which like fans gotta chill. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> I, yeah, like, fans in general, I mean, I am the least chill sports fan, so it's a little rich yeah. coming from me. But like, yeah, when a guy's injured, you do, you're, it's like, all right, like, you don't know what's going on. You can't really make any sort of assumptions and yeah. everyone chill. Yeah, I really don't think people like realize like what's going on, what's going on out on the field. Like, I feel like everybody that watches football should be granted the opportunity to watch one game from the sideline. I think it would oh, change everybody's perspective on the game. It's yeah. so terrifying. I I mean, you get to do it every week. I've, I've been on the sideline for probably like a handful of games in my lifetime. And every time I see like Joe Alt, like the Notre Dame left tackler, like one of these like huge linemen walk by yeah. and then you hear that, like the noise that they make when they yeah. hit each other. It is absolutely terrifying so i yeah. i agree with you that would be a fun social experiment but yeah because people field, have just, just no idea <laughs> no i no idea especially you, like nfl because then it's like oh, just God, big no. on big like everybody's massive everybody's <laughs> running sub five forties you know but i think so i think washington already passed their big test at least for the regular season um because the one thing that I thought, and I actually picked Oregon to win that game, not because I felt like they were actually the better complete team, but just because they are very good at running the football. Um, and Washington's defense, we know, has been shaky, but mm-hmm. they have specifically struggled against the run. And Oregon's backs combined, um, I think going into that game, they are averaging something like 8.2 yards per carry. And Washington was giving up. Uh, four yards a carry or more on 51% of run plays. So I'm like, that's going to be the difference in the game, which it wasn't, but they got out of that one alive. They, I don't necessarily say that they play their best game, but you know, good teams find ways to win. They, you know, they found a way to win that game. Like they still had to score late. Obviously the field goal was missed as long as they, you know, sort of keep it up. Like Michael Penix is through six games, having like a Joe Burrow type season, they could, I think they could do it. They've been even prior to that game. In my opinion, they've been the best team in college football up to this point. Um, And I just don't think a lot of people realize that. I think Michael Penix has been getting his due because he's been the Heisman favorite now for like three straight weeks Mm -hmm. or something like that. Um, But I think now people are going to start to finally realize like Washington is legit. After the break, we are going to continue this college football discussion, and I'm going to ask Harry about a, cu- a couple of the shocking, shocking uh, late-game upsets this past weekend. Okay, Harry, you this year you've been to Boulder. You wrote about Houston and their coaching mm-hmm. staff uh, joining the Big 12, 
And you've also called a game at Coastal Carolina involving those teams. Three of the most insane finishes to games this past weekend. The Colorado Stanford game, biggest comeback in school history for Stanford. Um, the Houston West Virginia game ended on a insane Hail Mary pass Houston one and coastal app state, which was just purely chaotic. So of, of those three, which one was the most insane ending to you? I think for me personally, um, I would say the Houston one was the most jarring. Well, no, the Houston one was the best one. The most jarring one was Colorado because I'm in the hotel, I'm watching the game. I was like, I'm going to watch this until the end of the half. And like that first half of that game, like Colorado, uh, what was it? Weaver was like literally jogging into the end zone for a touchdown. Like they were like, they were beating them up. I was like, like, Stanford is like, Stanford should end their football program. That was, I had that thought in the first half. (laughs) Like they were putting style points on them, all that type of stuff like that. And I was like, all right, 29, nothing sick. Going to go to bed, wake up. And I, I look at my phone and in our group text for the show, like Harry Douglas and our producer, Chris Colon are talking about, I can't believe that happened. And I'm like, what are they talking about? And I saw the score and I was just like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> like there's, there's no way. And it, and it really wasn't even the fact that like that upset is just so surprising I'm just like, oh my gosh, man, the anti Dion crowd. Like, this is their Super Bowl. Like, this is yeah. their Christmas. Like, this is the greatest day of their year. Like, it's not going to get better than this, which I also just find like extremely weird because if you have followed Dion Sanders' career as a player, as a coach for even two minutes, like, you know, you kind of know what you're getting. And it just feels like very odd that people are just not used to him by now. Like yeah, that to well, me, that is the weirdest thing about all of this Colorado thing. I, I I do agree with you that the like conversation around all of it is very tedious because it, it seems like there are people on either side that either like hate him or love him that are like joining this and not really knowing like what's been going on like the last 10 years like with Deion Mm -hmm. Sanders so you got to see like the Deion Sanders hype up close you were at game day for the Colorado Colorado State game which looked crazy like just the most gorgeous set like the fans were going wild um this was when they were still like they were two and oh I think this was week three um so before like they've had you know suffered a couple of these big losses like to oregon and and usc which they almost come back came back and won we'll talk about usc in a second because i can't believe we haven't brought up the notre dame game yet but um (laughs) what like what has been your perspective on all of this and like this game this game did matter a lot to colorado they may miss out on a bowl game now because their second half of the season is going to be like really really tough they've got some tough games coming up so where Mm. do you kind of put all of like now that we're through you know, halfway through the season of Deion Sanders as an FBS coach in the power five, like what, what's your take on all of this now? I feel like it's been pretty representative of everything that he's actually done. And I say that in the sense of they were, I've, I've been saying since the beginning, like they were never going to be as bad as people were saying, which like some people went as far as to say they're going to be the worst team in FBS. Like that's, that's ridiculous. Like, even if we're just starting at the quarterback position with Shador or if we're talking about Travis Hunter, like people forget how big of a day it was when Travis flipped from Florida state. It was crazy. Like that was one of the funniest days online ever. Um, (laughs) And, and all, and all of the, you know, when we still cared about Twitter's faces, like that was an insane, like that took up my entire day. Um, (laughs) Like it was that ridiculous. 
Um, Florida State fans were like, uh, you're right about Twitter Spaces was such a moment in history for fans coming together to just like have a crisis. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was, that was like literally one of the best moments in that website's history. Um, But I I, I feel like they're at a place where, and he kind of said this a couple of weeks ago, like this is as bad as they're going to get. Like whether you're not people like Dion in Colorado and how they're going about their business, like it's going to work. Like it shows the results. It shows in the kids that are coming onto that campus now and visiting them. Um, you know, the fact that they did hang with USC, even though their defense is very obviously bad because your boys looked incredible last week against them, respectfully. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like USC, <laughs> USC's defense didn't look that bad. USC's offense was bad. Like Notre, Notre yeah, Dame ex- exploited their offense in a way that I didn't even think was possible. But That's fair. On. And I didn't, I did not watch that game as tight. I just wanted to give you crap. Um, I can tell you so... everything that happened. Where do you want to start? First oh, I, drive, I it. interception to Xavier Watts, the safety. Where's number zero? Absolutely phenomenal. I'm just kidding. Um, but but go on. I, I think Colorado's going to be in a, a much better place next year. The things that were true that people believed about them before the season was that you cannot be bad on the lines and hide that. Like, you yeah. cannot hide behind a bad offensive line. Like, you can only do it so much, which, like, I honestly don't even know that Shador Sanders is getting enough credit for putting up the numbers he has put up and staying healthy behind that offensive line. Like he is running for his life out there every single Saturday. Um, And then the defensive line is just like, man, like, you know, they're not putting pressure on nobody. Um, So, you know, that's just difficult, but I, I think so far it's been a success for them. Um, I think it shows on the field, oddly enough, even though it's been ugly at times, including this past Friday, but um, and then obviously it, it shows up everywhere else. I mean, they got the ABC game this week. Like people want to watch Colorado play football. They want to see what Dion's going to do. They want to see what Shador is going to do. They want to see Travis Hunter play on both sides of the ball, which like, I think at this point, that's probably my biggest concern with Colorado is like that young man probably didn't need to play all the snaps that he played last week. Yeah. Well, uh, Travis Hunter, and, the wide receiver, had a great game. Travis Hunter, the cornerback, yes. did not have such a great game. And he's coming off yeah. of like a lacerated kidney and is playing like 150 snaps or something like that. It's just it's crazy to me. Um, but you're right. I think in the sense that like Colorado has made a lot of people look stupid, it has been a success. And like a lot of people have criticized like Dan Lanning, you know, all all substance or no, no substance and all flash or whatever he said about Colorado. It's like, well that's a like pretty dismissive and B like flash will mm. get you some wins in college football these days. Yeah, like well. having a really fast guy on the field will win you a couple games. Um, and also might win you in the recruiting game, which uh, obviously is more and more important as the years go on. Um, okay. Before we go, uh, Brock Bowers, really bad news. If you're a Georgia fan, you're, you're kind of in Georgia country, an hour yep. and a half ish from Athens. Uh, Brock Bowers is, looks like he's going to be out for four to six weeks, going to get ankle surgery. Georgia's offense has not really found its groove yet. And he has been kind of the centerpiece of that offense. Um, they're still undefeated. They still have a what 24 game win streak. And they're, I believe still the favorite to win the national championship. Although Michigan's getting a lot of credit for their undefeated season so far, despite the fact that they have played no ranked teams. Um, but what kind of what like what concern level are you at right now with Georgia without Brock Bowers for the rest of the season? It's I I mean we're gonna find out what they're made of um, because even I would say up to this point in the season they're they've still 
played with their food a little bit at times. I think the the thing that's really concerning about them is I feel like every year we go into a season with Georgia, specifically the last two, three, four, five years, is there's a lot of potential, specifically at the pass-catching positions. And Brock Bowers has been the one guy that has actually panned out. Um, even with some of their transfers this year, like we're going to see what Dominic Lovett is made of um, in the next four to six weeks, however long Brock Bowers is out. Ra Ra Thomas, a transfer from Mississippi State, is not a guy that I would say has worked out in the way that they thought he was. He's extremely talented. He just, I think he's got something like six catches and 230 some odd yards this year. Um, they haven't gotten what they wanted to see out of him. The run game's been you know, good. But I think in terms of if you ask a Georgia fan, they would tell you they would want and expect more. But like when you look at the running backs that have come out of there, like I get it, you know? Um, so to me, like this feels a little bit like pre national championship, Georgia, the last two where it's like, you're a little bit too flimsy. Like this doesn't feel right. Like it feels like somebody's going to get you. However, all that said, Still not picking against them until someone just gets them. Yeah. Not going to do it because they're just, they're too talented. I'm with you on that. I'm not picking against them. Uh, We talked about SpongeBob today. We talked about your hydration plan on the road. Uh, There's, we have three minutes left and we still have not talked enough about Notre Dame beating the absolute breaks off of the number one offense in the country this weekend at home. Um, Harry, you said you didn't get to watch too much of it. I watched every second of it twice, watched the replay on Sunday. Just like an absolutely spectacular uh, weekend for me personally. Also, the Steelers were on a bye, so like I am flying high right now. Um, But this this is Golik and Smitty. So we have a couple minutes left, Harry. Um, Is USC doomed? Is Lincoln Riley the biggest fraud head coach of all time? Is Marcus Freeman the Prince who was promised is he our savior? Um, should we build a statue for Xavier Watts outside the stadium? Sam Hartman, um, can he get an? Can he get a seventh year? Well, like what? What are your thoughts on on this result? Forty eight to twenty Notre Dame over USC. I just you know it it felt it's it, it was a weird result kind of because um, I feel like and you correct me if I'm wrong here it, it has felt um, ever since the Ohio State game which like Notre Dame definitely should have won. Um, like that you guys have just been not quite right. Um, but then also it was kind of the perfect situation because it's like, okay, no, somebody's going to get USC. Um, because they they just can't defend. And obviously Caleb ends up throwing what three interceptions? Three interceptions, so like two fumbles that Notre Dame recovered, including a, a scoop and score. Yeah. You you can't behind hide behind five turnovers. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, that's that's the get right game that Notre Dame needed. So like, let's see how far, uh, you know, you guys take it. Cause I still think that they're better than most people give them credit for. I will say that. And I'm not just saying that cause I'm on this particular podcast. I know I that you're partially, I know that you're partially saying that because you're well, no, me and you've seen me scary and angry about Notre Dame football. I know, I know how to, uh, soften blows and not <laughs> piss you off, but I genuinely mean what I just said. I do mean Thank that. you. And it's not just because I'm here. I do think Notre Dame is better than what they've been given credit for, even if they have not showed it for like two of the last three weeks. I think they've had a really, really rough four game stretch. Not like that it's unfair or whatever. Like yeah. it playing four ranked teams in a row, including a couple of really good defenses, has not been pretty. They haven't had a bye week since 
uh, they haven't had a bye week this season. So like they, I, eight weeks ago, we were in Ireland. Okay. And now like this season has felt like an absolute slog. So if you're a Notre Dame fan, enjoy the bye weekend. It is well-deserved, especially if you're a player and you're actually playing in the games. Um, it's, it's hard enough for me to watch them. I can't imagine what it's like to actually be out there, but I'm with you, Harry. They're better than people give them credit for. Still have very uh, big concerns about Notre Dame's offense, but the defense looks yeah. very legit. Um, so I'm going to ride, I'm going to ride this high into the bye weekend. And thanks for coming on to talk about college football with me. I appreciate your time. Um, let's, let's keep in touch, Harry. Yeah, we'll, we'll do it again soon. We'll, we'll definitely stay in touch. Don't be a stranger. <laughs> 